fellow South Africans. Uh, it's another episode of the Sand Times Podcast, episode 5, week 17 of 2020. Still in lockdown, one more week to go, and uh, let's see. Interesting week this week, uh, the president uh, announcing a plan to revive the economy. Let's see how that goes. As the intro stated, I think all I heard was billions and billions. So we'll see how that all plays out. And we've got an interesting interview still lined up in this episode to find out a little bit more, maybe get a bit of a sense of uh, if we're heading in the right direction. Wherever you might be, I hope you are doing well, you're safe. And uh, if you want to connect with us, don't forget you can email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with the Santon Times on your preferred social media platform using at Santon Times. You can visit the blog, santantimes.co.za. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, share, leave a review or rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud and soon to be released on YouTube. So we're going to make a YouTube version of this available as well. It'll be audio to start. And I think once things get back to some sort of normality, when we can have uh, face-to-face conversations with guests as opposed to over Zoom, then uh, we're going to throw in some video as well, which will be really exciting. To kick off, uh, welcome to listeners in Botswana, Poland, Netherlands, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. That's where you've been listening from, apart from South Africa, of course, but that's where you've been listening from for the past week. So welcome to you and thank you for listening. All is well in Santonland and uh, we've got a bit of a busy show today. We've actually got quite a few interviews lined up, checking in with uh, big business, small business. I mean, I'm hoping to give you a really good sense of how things are going in Santon for now. It's very quiet still and uh, we'll see how things progress this evening when the president announces an update on his plans, uh, on the government's plans to uh, slowly but surely, I think, get the economy going again uh, while still dealing with the pandemic of uh, COVID-19. In line with this, I've been talking about a special edition podcast, which uh, has been recorded, which has been edited, and is now available. So if you are on the Santon Times feed, if you've uh, subscribed, if you've registered on any of the podcast platforms that you prefer, you'll see that those interviews would have come through. It's called Business Recovery, and we've interviewed six uh, really interesting people uh, in South Africa and even the Middle East as well, talking about their thoughts, their ideas, uh, some tips for small to medium-sized businesses on how to recover, how to get things going again. And uh, I'd like to share one of those interviews with you just to give you a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a taste, and then you can actually download or stream all those interviews back-to-back. They're all about 20 to 30 minutes and really take all of that in. We've got some more lined up as well, which is really exciting. So hopefully we'll ramp those up to about 12. That should make for some really interesting listening if you are running a small business and need some insight, maybe just get some outsider perspective, maybe some really good ideas are triggered by you listening to this, and I would love to have your feedback. So let's have a quick listen to this. And the world we're going to be moving into is a world with different rules. Nobody knows what the rules are, but the truth is, is what you were doing before has to be adjusted. It might even need to be scrapped and reinvented. So the, the, I think it's topic, I think it's point four or five where I say, look, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for you to spend a bit of time diving into what makes you most curious and what makes you most excited. Because I think the world we come from celebrated the surplus type of businesses and the surplus type of careers. And by that, I mean, you know, a, a great hairdresser or a great coffee shop or a great lawyer or a great accountant. And all of those were great in the old world. But I think the new world that we're moving into more and more is celebrating authenticity, uniqueness, and this is brought about by curiosity. And so the, the more we can dive into why we are here, I think it was Mark Twain that said, the two most important days of your life are when you're born and when you find out why. And when you can get to the point of understanding why you're here, that then becomes an, a fantastic way for you to go about creating a brand, a business around your unique curiosity. Because guess what? Nobody has your unique curiosity. It's so unique to you. And then the world can only come to you for your skill set and your unique flavor that you're starting to add to the world. So look, I'm not saying stop working. What I'm saying is spend a bit of time to give you the space to dive into what your heart desires rather than just being logical, ego-driven about what you do. 
there you have it. Uh, John Sane, trend specialist, author, a man who looks at uh, the future, but also has a fantastic connection with uh, the psychological and social side of uh, the future as well. So make sure you listen to his interview that we did, uh, which was uh, really insightful. And also make sure you catch up on the rest of those podcasts, Business Recovery, a Santon Times special series. So before we do anything else, let's get into the stories making headlines in Santon this week. And this quick check-in is brought to you by megaflightdeals.com, your one-stop for non-stop cheap flights. And I was actually having a look at uh, one of these apps where you can see the, the airplanes moving around all over the world, but also specifically all over South Africa, and there's nothing moving. There's the odd flight here or there on the African continent that's going somewhere, but for most of it, it's unbelievably quiet in the skies. And uh, yeah, so one day when we do get back onto a plane at some point, go check out megaflightdeals.com. Some of the stories making headlines this week in Santon, uh, there's a drive-through COVID-19 testing now at uh, the Dischem Pharmacy in Santon City. They operate from Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, it's closed. You have to wear a mask when you go through this drive-through test at at Dischem. Only two people allowed in a car at a time. No children under 16. And the test costs 850 rand. And they only take card payment. Uh, So no medical aid claim. And the results will be available 72 hours via Dischem. So that's one of the things that has kicked off at the Dischem in Santon City, drive-through COVID-19 tests. Then uh, a sad story this week that uh, boxing promoter and hospitality entrepreneur Damien Michaels passed away. He had a long battle with cancer and he was 42. He first promoted the WBF heavyweight title fight between South Africa's Francie Boerter and American Michael Grant at the Santon Convention Center on November 19, 2011. And many people might also remember him for a lot of his food and hospitality ventures, which was uh, Chefs in Motion, My Grill Bar. I think they were both in four ways. But most recently, we, we'd we uh, had him in the news on the blog with the launch of Altitude Beach Club in four ways. And at the time, I'd heard that he wasn't well. I'd never gotten to meet him uh, you know, in person. The story goes that uh, after being diagnosed with cancer last year, he moved to Austria, um, and that was something I picked up on on supersport.com. So condolences to the family, strength to the team uh, at at his various businesses as well. I don't think it's an easy time for them. Then Bolt Food, you might remember Bolt, the app. We spoke to Uber Eats, uh, I think a week or two ago, about their food delivery app, and Uber's also known for their, their taxi app. Bolt very similar. They also do a very similar kind of uh, business. And they've now launched a food app, but also a, a tuk-tuk ride uh, in Santon that you can now also pick up on the app. So Bolt Food will deliver all essential goods, including groceries, pet food, health supplements, and off-the-shelf medications to users currently under lockdown. That's uh, via the Bolt app. And then users in Santon and Rosebank can now also select uh, a tuk-tuk as a mode of transport, it's a partnership with Shisha Tux and will offer users fares up to 20% lower than a traditional car. So if you uh, are not in, into having a, a Toyota Corolla or a, an Audi A4 driving you around, you want something a little bit more cost-effective, you just need to get down the road, well, there you have it. There's a, a Tuck Tuck option that you can also now get via Bolt Food. Another big uh, bit of news is uh, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the JSE, at uh, the heart of Santon. And even though all of us are sitting at home and life is in lockdown, the JSE seems to be unbelievably busy doing all kinds of things. Uh, apart from having to keep an eye on the economy, they've got their own initiatives going. So I thought it'd be a good idea to get uh, the team from the JSE on the line. So I've got with me Zanella Morrison, Director Marketing and Corporate Affairs, and I've got Udesh Moodley, Head of Bonds and Interest Rate Derivatives capital markets from the JSC. As I uh, said in the intro, it seems like, uh, Zanelli, you guys have been very busy at the JSC, even though we're all uh, on lockdown. Listen, we've really taken this as an opportunity. Um, we saw the opportunity to really um, find our place to make a difference, you know, and, and I think the humanity and everyone comes out 
at times like this, where you know that when you are privileged, it's your time to stand up and to make a difference. And we're all privileged to some degree. We all have to understand that we have a play and a place to make a difference in someone else's life. So, so it's been an incredible journey for us to this whole campaign around trading for solidarity. So let's work through the news chronologically over the last week, because it all started last week, Wednesday, I think it is, Trade for Solidarity kicked off. And do you want to just take us through that particular initiative? So Trade for Solidarity was an initiative where we actually ourselves decided to um, select two days where we could contribute a portion of the trade out of the days into the Solidarity Fund. And we selected the 15th and the 16th of April. And when we thought about it, we thought that it would be great to also invite other market participants, our ecosystem, and everybody really in the same industry as us to say, join us, you know, all of us, let's have a look at which day, what percentage, what is it that we would like to contribute to the Solidarity Fund. So we stood together, I think it's probably the first time in history where we had a common cause to actually uh, find ways in which all of us could contribute to our Solidarity Fund. And what were the trading volumes like? I mean, I suppose at the moment, it's it's probably very volatile. It's a very difficult time to to make those trades. So, So how did it all turn out? You know, so we, we looked at, uh, if you look at the past uh, month, you know, when COVID originally started, um, I think globally we've seen an explosion in, in volatility and volumes and locally as well. So, so my, if, I, if I had to describe what's happened, I would describe it as unprecedented and volatile. So we've seen a lot of movement and, and what tends to happen in markets with increased volatility, we tend to see increased volumes. I think the, the, the JSE would have, would on some of our product classes have seen record volumes as people come in to hedge in times like these, you know, it's important to recognize the fact that, that it's a human, human impact of COVID, et cetera. Uh, but it does, to a degree, offer opportunities to, to astute investors. The JSC being uh, a regulated entity and at the core of this, uh, we've seen a huge amount of volatility and offering a lot of benefits to our clients. We've communicated consistently. But yeah, it's been an amazing, unprecedented market. I mean, we look at the trade that happened in 2008 on our local exchanges as well. The volumes have exceeded those far beyond. And certain unique events like oil prices and crude trading negative due to a, a low demand in oil stocks and, and no place to store it. Uh, we've seen Sassel shares jump from you know a high of near 300 rand, probably at the beginning of the year towards the end of last year, and now trading at 55 and down to 20. So it's it's been large volumes, huge volatility, and I think we've seen a fall away a bit in the last two or three days as things start to settle down with government interventions, you know, propping up the economy, taking care of the, the man on the street. It's a lower volatile environment, but huge volumes, unprecedented volumes. Do you think that will go back to some sort of normality once we open up the economy again? In my view, I think there's various views out there, but we, we really need to be tempered in terms of how we, we look at this recovery. There are a lot of individuals suspecting a global and a local V-shaped recovery, which is a quick back to normality. My view personally, you know, I think people are not, have not, investors have not fully uh, taken into account what the earnings are going to look like on, on some of the bigger companies. So we see some of them flow through on the offshore stocks last night, some ages, and they're starting to show sort of weaknesses in those earning numbers. And again, what drives corporates and, and corporate activity and stability in markets is a consistent earnings and stable environment. I don't think we just jump back into normal. Because the core base for our economy is the, the retail guy at the bottom of the chain. And government's taken a firm, positive step in taking care of the man on the street. And that supports our own economy. And, and to be honest, the entire ecosystem, the JSC or corporates have stepped in to lend a hand. We've seen it as a human problem. And we've realized, I think the takeaway from this is that we need everybody in a fairer, more equal economy so that we stand, stand more solidly. Though, to answer your question, I think it, it is going to be uh, a few months before we get back to normality, uh, even in the financial markets. I think stability, but, but it's going to be a phased sort of reduction in vol- volatility. That said, there's huge opportunity for us as, as SA, even given the tough, difficult circumstances. I think we're going to see a lot of positives out of this, like a catalyst to the fourth industrial revolution, probably growth initiatives around small uh, businesses, there's a lot of positives at the end of it. And I think it's just going to be a bit drawn out. You know, my view is probably six to eight months as we recover through this. People get back to normality of going to a restaurant and crowded places, going back to a cinema, just the general fear factor sort of falling away and people being more careful as to how we live. 
Well, let's let's get into the president's stimulus plan because I see you've sent out a notification this morning as well. Zanela, just to finish off the the conversation around the Trade for Solidarity campaign, I also see that uh, the JC executive has uh, availed itself to contribute towards this uh, from their salaries. Yes. What happened was that the board also got together and, and we were discussing the challenges the country is facing at present. And, and again, the board was compelled to, to play their part, you know, as we've been requested by uh, our president. And they made the commitment to also cede over their um, salaries into the pen, to, to the fund. And so did our CEO, who's really led us from the front on this. And members of the executive have also decided to do the same. And again, I think as the JSE, it's so important for us to lead by example, you know, as we stand and hold together this very important part of our economy. And again, by doing so, we're compelling and, 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 and seeking those around us to also do the same. So Dirty Fund really has a good coverage of the needs that are required in the country at present. They also have very strong audit and manage and transparency processes in place. So you know your, your money is landing in a place where it'll be put to good use and, and, and that it'll be audited to ensure that, um, you know, there isn't corruption along the way. So, so I, I think that's the key thing that everybody wants to give, everybody wants to make a difference. It's about how safe do you feel that when you give your money, you believe that it will be used wisely, as we can see with the sentiment of responses, even from yesterday's um, presentation by the president. People's main concern is, will it be utilized effectively and will it reach where it's required the most? So it's really been an honor for us to be able to stand up and to make a difference. And we continue to look for opportunities to do so. Are you able to disclose what kind of amount you've been able to contribute towards the Solidarity Fund? If I'm not mistaken, the last count for last week, and this excludes personal uh, contributions by the board or the CEO, members of the executive, we were sitting at 34 million rands. Fantastic amount. We're quite proud. It was it was way above our, it was above our expectations. We are a very small company, so we're very excited that collaboratively with the other market participants, we were able to raise that much. Well, I guess you're working with a whole bunch of smaller brokerages, smaller traders. You know, to bring that all together in two days is uh, is is a great amount and I think every every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. And to add on to that as well, even the ones, and some have not done well, it's been a very, very tough market. But even the ones that have not done well and, we, and that are struggling, they've also said we also want to play our part. So really hats off to all the members of the market who've contributed. Let's get into uh, the president's plan. I see that you say you've sent out a note this, this morning that the JC is welcoming the president's stimulus plan. From my side, what I like about the president's plan, and if I look at you know other stimulus plans globally, I mean, the way I would compare it is I look at the 2008 financial crisis. And what happened there was a lot of the stimulus plan that happened offshore and stuff was to businesses, uh, to corporates or, or to larger corporates to support the financial markets uh, when the banking system was failing. You're now faced with a very similar, well, not similar, but a situation that is probably more uh, serious than, than where we were in 2008. And what I found about our stimulus package, which I really enjoyed, and which is an interesting point, is it is targeted mainly at small businesses and the man on the street. At, at trying times, the vulnerable are, are what we need to support. So what I find what, what, that would support our economy in possibly the best manner is the guys that are, are feeling it the most are getting the most benefit. The, the president has stepped in to provide some liquidity to our financial markets from a bond repo facility perspective. So we've got stability in the financial markets, but the core and major funding is going to the man on the street that needs it, that's losing his job, that can't pay his rent, can't feed himself, etc. I'm very pleased with the, the way we, we, we are allocating those funds and also the speed and efficiency to say that within a week we'd have these funds distributed. Fingers crossed it does go through. I'm, I'm very impressed with the efficiency with which government has handled this crisis and where they're aiming the benefit. We can only hope. I mean, 500 billion. I mean, when I was listening to the speech, all I heard was billions and billions and billions, you know, and then in between had to pick out the words in between because it just seemed like such a massive amount. But most of that money is going to be borrowed money. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, some of it was said to be forgiven in a way as long as the employment is there, but it's going to be borrowed money effectively. It has to come out of us government funding, etc. And it would be uh, out of the taxpayer base at some point in time. This is a human crisis and a medical crisis, and, and we need to take care of the guys that are most vulnerable. My suspicion is that it would have a, an impact to the currency and stuff. But you've got to remember the pool of economic, the economic state of the world as a whole is probably going through a similar situation. I mean, the U.S. is also uh, stimulated and has realized that the man on the street needs more. I think yesterday they've passed another $500 billion on their side 
to small businesses. I think government is correcting and supporting the right areas. So we've got to look, this, look at this relative. We're all going through the same situation. We're all going to run big budget deficits and stuff, but it's for the right reason. Maybe not, the, not, not particularly to the SA, we have the credit downgrade that happened, et cetera. But I do believe we'd offer attractive yields at some point, even relative to other developed and uh, developed markets. So I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a bit uh, uh, optimist when it comes to the SA economy in the long run. And I think government's making the right moves. I think this is going to bring a lot of positivity to how we handle our future deficits and how we, we look at SOEs and how we look at businesses and the economy as a whole. So I see, by the short term, I'm, I'm quite optimistic in the long term into, in, in terms of where our corporates are going. And what I found more uh, sort of more heartening was the fact that corporate and government have bonded so efficiently and so quickly together, all stakeholders, one view, and we're moving in the right direction to, to solve this economic problem. So once we sort the human problem, the economy is going to follow, and I think we're going to go, go ahead full steam. I think we'd have a couple of years where we, where, where we need to struggle through it, but I think it's all positive for me going forward. No, I, I think I think for me, uh, we, we need to uh, recognize that business is playing quite a key role um, in contributing and helping government think through all the different elements. I know that through Business South Africa, through BUSA, who has now set up a, a separate committee of business for South Africa, they've got a number of streams that are really adding great value to the thinking behind how do we get the economy up and running hereafter? Um, how do we transition um, out of lockdown and, and, and how do we unlock different parts of business and imports and exports as well as industries that keep the country running um, and how we do this. So there's a lot of thoughts and a lot of work behind it between government and business to actually try and get the economy to up and running as soon as possible, but then also use this opportunity to enable smaller businesses, to enable flat, flatter restructuring of opportunities so there's more people having more access from a regional point of view. And so, so they're really using this crisis as an opportunity as an opportunity to think a little bit outside of the box and reshape a better South Africa for all South Africans. On a more sort of practical level right now, I mean, are you all working from home at the moment? Is the JSC, uh, is there somebody holding the fort there? We all are working from home literally nearly all of us which is lit- very it's incredible but the level of um seriousness that we take this um this virus is is, is incredible we we just cannot risk having on any of the staff members getting sick so we we were on lockdown before lockdown started we probably would actually extend our own um lockdown and, and really be very very mindful of the staff that work at the jsc we have some really critical people who work at the jsc who really help us to hold the markets so we are taking a very cautious view but we are able to work um, due to our fantastic IT department and technology really does enable us to work very effectively we're working a bit harder it's exhausting so we are also trying to hold the human element in this whole process and and support people through what is actually a very difficult at a very difficult time well, Zanella Morrison, Director of Marketing and Corporate Affairs, and Yudesh Mudli, Head of Bonds and Interest Rates, Derivatives at Capital Markets at the JC. Thank you so much for joining me for this uh, discussion. It's important that we check in with the continent's largest uh, stock exchange on a regular basis and see how the economy uh, grows and uh, recovers. One of the places I love popping into on the weekends, uh, if you one of those people who does the park run, especially in Bryanston, is uh, Jackson's. And when I'm saying Jackson's, I'm talking about the food market. Uh, it's right across the road there at the Bryanston uh, Park Run, and they do some fantastic uh, fruit juices. You can get your banting slice of cheesecake there, or you can get some almond flour or some organic meat, or whatever it is. If you're on a on, on a health focus, and I think more and more people are, well, Jackson's is the place to go to. And and so many people have been saying, you know, are they delivering? Can I go there? Are they open? How does it all work? Well, I thought, let me get the owner of uh, Jackson's on the line, Gary Jackson. Gary, what's happening at Jackson's at the moment? Well, it's been crazy. Everybody's on a health kick. So everybody's sort of popping in and coming to have a look and see, you know, how they can improve their own personal health journey. So it's been a real interesting time with loads of new faces. It's been incredibly busy. Obviously, the eatery and restaurant side of the business, which is half our business, has unfortunately had to close, but we've more than made up for it with an amazing array of products and full shelves. And, you know, as you guys know, we only support the small producers and small farmers. So they've done an amazing job where some of the big chains haven't been able to keep shelves full. We've had full shelves in both our stores from 
the beginning of, of uh, the lockdown. So we're really blessed to be open and we're really blessed to have such a powerful uh, small business uh, supply chain. Well, Gary, let's let's cut to the chase that I think everyone's wanting to know, um, and I'm glad to hear that both of your stores are open. That's the other one is in Kailami, if I remember correctly. How do people order? I, I mean, they can walk into the store and they can buy their things, but you've also got some other sort of options that people can look at to to get their favorite juice or their favorite uh, meal. Yeah, we've had to respond really quickly. A lot of the people at this time would prefer a home delivery. So we've had to turn uh, our whole business model on its head and make sure that we can um, meet this need. There's really four ways. The, the, the one way is with one cart, um, which is quite a big online platform. You may not get your delivery slot in the next day or two, but um, that's the first way. The second way is we've got our top 200 lines running with Mr. Delivery at the moment. So if you can see us on the Mr. Delivery app, you are close enough to to get a delivery. And then we've also got a personal shopper program where you literally just WhatsApp the closest store to you and we do your shopping for you. We'll sort of like a valet shopping service and we'll bring your goods out to your car if you want. Or in Bryanston, you can pull up to our drive-through and you can just get your goods. Or alternatively, you pop in uh, to store, pick up your goods, swipe your card, and off you go again. So we've made it really easy and as contactless as possible. So you're selling your regular groceries, uh, your cold, uh, you know, frozen foods. Uh, do you also have meals that people can just sort of purchase and, and take home and warm up? Yes, we have an array of soups. Uh, juices, uh, ready-made meals, fro- a lot of frozen meals. But obviously, with everyone at home at the moment, and and if those who have time, we really want you to experiment with some of our, our produce. And we've got our full range of outdoor-reared, pasture-reared um, meat products and grass-fed beef. And it's a, a real fun time to experiment now and play around in the kitchen. And you know how it goes. You don't have to be a good cook, but you just need to know where to buy the best and tastiest ingredients. Well, that's half the battle won. If the ingredients are good, uh, the rest is just a matter of putting it together. But if the ingredients are terrible, then uh, it doesn't matter how great the recipe is, right? You're quite right. And I think one of the things that we do focus on is a, su- a short supply chain. So, for um, for example, spinach. If you pick spinach today and you only um, sell it in a week's time or five days' time, you know, you're losing nutrient density in that spinach. So what's really cool about our uh, supply chain is that what's picked today is sold today and tomorrow and we get replenished regularly. So you really are getting the freshest of fresh, just picked uh, taste. And then obviously on the meat side, you know, we don't do hormones, we don't do uh, growth hormones or any antibiotics and all our uh, farmers that supply livestock, it's all on humane uh, farms, all outdoor reared, and that makes such a difference to the nutrient density of the final product and, and, and most importantly, the taste. So you're open Monday to Sunday, uh, nine to five. Yeah, that's perfect. And I also believe you've also got a bit of a, um, a charitable sort of food parcel initiative that you've got running as well. We're small business and we haven't got massive budget, but we really do, you know, take the view that you can't sit back and wait for the government to help everybody. Uh, It's just not possible. And, you know, if everybody can get on board, that will help relieve the issues. And often, you know, the relief isn't sent out to places like along the Sprat, people under bridges, you know, people in informal settlements along Vidkopen. Those people just are often, they fall through the cracks. So, we sat there looking at our kitchen that was empty and our eateries that are empty and we quickly jumped in and started a relief program. So there are two ways people can help. One is by just coming in with some basic dry goods, anything that is not going to go off. So peanut butter or maize or rice or soya mince or soap or, or any of those basics. They can just drop it off at either of the stores and every day we are making sure they get sent out to those informal settlements and, and to the folk along, along the spread. And uh, the second way people can help is that we, we have a foundation called the Real Leaf, like as in Real Leaf Relief. Mm-hmm. And uh, that foundation is collecting 20 rand. And for each 20 rand, we do a half a kilo gourmet stew cooked and delivered to the needy. We're working really closely with um, the communities 
to make sure that the food goes to the absolute needy of needy, neediest. And that we're doing through the Rivers Church. We're doing it through Hot 91.9 FM and a number of other church groups and community groups. So basically the food goes into those areas and then SMSs are sent to the people that are really needy. And then they come through and pick up their food parcels or hot meals at either the creches or via the church or the community centers. So, so far it's been unbelievable. And people in Santon have just, just kind of overwhelmed us with, with their support in the first three days we were able to do 1,600 meals and 81 food parcels. That was up until close of work on Monday. And the donations have been steady. I mean, some people are just giving us 20 rand and we're so grateful because that'll feed one person. And obviously the Jackson's group is matching every single meal as for as long as we possibly can. So for every meal sponsored, we then also do, uh, do a meal so essentially your 20 rand is buying two meals for two needy people so gary by the sound of things i mean being a small business in santon it, it sounds like you are holding up and you're making plans and making the best of what is not an ideal situation at the moment but a necessary one people can continue to come shopping and continue to enjoy a lot of the things that you have an offer in the store yeah, absolutely. And uh, just, you know, to make it very clear, we, we're watching all our social distancing. We've got our stickers on the floor. We all shielded up. We've got gloves. We've, we've actually been using sanitizer for the last four years at our front doors. So we're very focused and, and very strict with social distancing. So um, it's a very safe environment to come and do your shop and or get um, via your online or home delivery system. Well, Gary, it's been such a pleasure having you on and I'm, I'm looking forward to connecting with you again in the future uh, as things progress. And uh, thank you for making the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. And we'll see you in store. On my last visit to Santon City the other day, I came across this uh, recycling station that popped up in the underground parking lot and uh, reached out to Santon City, couldn't get hold of anybody who was able to to tell me a little bit more about it, but I managed to get hold of the person who actually looks after and owns these recycling stations. So I thought, who better to speak to than Justin Needham, uh, who joins me on the line. Justin, good uh, good day to you. Tell me a little bit more about uh, these recycling stations. I mean, we're celebrating uh, Earth Day this week. I think this is a very uh, a very topical conversation to have. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very excited about um, the Santon uh, City installations. Developed two stations on two levels, uh, level seven and level four, partnership with, uh, with Liberty Two Degrees and JHI Accelerate. So it was actually, we, we're very fortunate uh, to have them as partners where they had the, the vision to start reaching out towards the community, providing facilities to people and, and sort of changing the traditional recycling model a little bit with the implementation of a, a more sort of uh, modern day technology. Well, let's let's yeah. paint let's paint uh, the listeners a picture. So th- I know the one is at the Proteo Court at the top level. So if people That's have been true, to yeah. to Santon City, and then the other one is near the Clicks. I think it's the level down from the the Clicks entrance. Is that correct? Level level four. That's right. Yeah, and th- th- it's essentially like a, a curved wall. I think it's got pictures of turtles and and it's got these different holes and different flaps and uh, things where you can stick all your different recyclable goods in. It looks very attractive, a very modern kind of installation. And Justin, just talk us through how this all works. Like, how, how do I take all my recycling and, and how do I get it to you and, and where does it go? So quite simply, the, the stations uh, or the walls are designed to take uh, a multitude of products. They're designed to take plastic products. They're designed to take tins, glass and other items, Tetra Pak. They've been designed with the view for shoppers when they're coming in to do their shopping. They're swinging past uh, Santon City to come past and deposit their waste, which is which is, which is pretty cool uh, from a facilities perspective. So we're trying to focus on uh, convenience, which is the one element. So making it convenient for people to recycle when they are, are going about their, their daily tasks, their, their sort of the daily routines. And then we've changed it a little bit in the sense that uh, we reward people for their recycling. So with the technology that we put in, which is situated obviously on, on both of the floors, we've introduced reverse vending machines. 
It's the first shopping installation of its kind, actually on the continent, if I'm not mistaken. And it's tied to a mobile application. And what the shopper does is they come, they deposit their waste, and they'll receive the recyclable value back into their virtual wallet. They also would then qualify for any rewards programs that we run. So we've been running five for five campaign where for every five items you deposit, you get five grand airtime. We're changing up the traditional model a little bit more. We're putting a value to it. So we're incentivizing the recovery of waste. And we and from a Sandton City perspective, we've been able to do it at scale. So behind those walls, there's a little bit more technology that sits there in order to, to cater for the larger volumes. But it's very much uh, aimed at, at talking to the to the entire community and, and getting the community mobilized and aware about uh, recycling and sort of leading it with, uh, with an incentive. So if I hear you correctly, Justin, what you're saying is I can bring an entire rubbish bag full of my plastic bottles. I can stick them into the tubes in the wall. It'll scan it or it'll do some sort of magic yeah. to figure out you know, what kind of plastic it is or if it is a bottle. And then for each bottle or for each item or for each kilo or however your algorithm works, there's a reward that I get back that I can use in some way or another. Correct. Yeah. So the equipment, the, the equipment is, it, it works on shape and it works on barcodes. We currently have over 9,000 items listed on our database, which would be sold at, at your pick and pays, at your Woolworths, most at, at majority of uh, your major retailers. We look at these products, we analyze these products from a back-end perspective to understand, are they recyclable, are they not recyclable, where can you recycle them? We load them onto the database so that when a person comes and deposits a Volpro or they deposit a long-life milk, for example, we know exactly what the item is and we can pay out uh, the relevant reward to the person. We've sort of, we, we've layered it a little bit further in the sense that we've wanted to bring in uh, additional rewards to drive that positive behavior. There's a big move towards sort of circular behavior and the circular economy and sort of returning a product uh, or reusing a product as much as possible and at least closing the loop from a, a life cycle perspective. So we found that um, incentivizing behavior drives positive behavior. Is there anything that you don't recycle? I mean, is there anything you don't take? Yeah, there, there are items that we don't take. And, and what we've done is we've developed a feature on our mobile application that you can scan a barcode and you can get a bit of information about products that we do accept and we don't accept. We do them on a line-by-line -line basis. But if you're, looking at, um, if you're looking at it from an overall perspective, we take the majority of plastics. We take your PETs, your polypropylenes, your HDPs, which are, your, which are traditionally your milk bottles. And we work through to glass and tins. So where we are, what we can't do is if it doesn't sort of fit in the, in the round hole, as it were, too big, we unfortunately can't take it. But then there is overflow bins for people to deposit their waste. So if you do come and, and use it, you're not going to be walking through Santon City getting off to Zara with a, a bunch of rubbish on, in your right hand and, uh, and your bag in the other. Which is generally preferred. <laughs> yeah, so. very, very, very much so. The idea is to be a, the idea is to be a one stop shop. And where we would like to take it ultimately is, is to diversify it um, a lot further. So looking at everything from clothing through to sneakers through to, um, through to softer plastics. Um, batteries, you take batteries? Um, we do take batteries. We do take globes. E-waste, well. electronic waste, sort of uh, old mice or... Uh, don't we know. don't do electronic waste just yet, but uh, we are looking at it um, and it is something that we, we will address um, during the course of this year. Are you currently under lockdown? Is is that facility functional? Is it working? Or is, no, so is unfortunately, it shut down? Unfortunately, we are under lockdown at this point in time. So all of our equipment um, is, is is not is not switched on at this point in time. Um, however, the the flat the sort of the flat bins uh, or the flaps where you can deposit globes and where you can deposit um, where you can deposit your batteries um, that is still it's still accessible. The the RVM equipment, the reverse vending equipment. Is, is off at this point in time, unfortunately. And then there's one other thing that I spotted is sort of a see-through piece of glass, and you've got a whole bunch of sort of two-liter soft drink bottles filled with other plastic in it. Yes, what those are, what those are called is, is eco bricks. So eco bricks is eco bricks is a local. It's almost, I wouldn't say movement, but it's a business that the principle behind it is to take. Things like chip packets, plus soft plastic items, put them into a two-liter bottle, cram them in there to make it really sort of to make it really solid, um, and then deposit that. The EcoBricks guys then do is they they build with them, if I'm not mistaken. They so they, they build structures, they build homes, and they utilizing those uh, utilizing those plastics. 
I was invited by the glass company. I think they're a sort of an industry initiative by the bottle manufacturers uh, and the yeah. uh, two or three years ago. And they t- took us for dinner and they told us about how, you know, restaurants don't recycle as much glass as they possibly should. I think something like 60% of the glass isn't recycled. And they were encouraging us all to start recycling. And I eventually came home and decided, well, you know what, let me go down to the local plastic land. And they had these fantastic uh, multicolored bins, sort of four different colors. I bought them, I put them outside. And it's unbelievable that ever since then, literally all our waste has been divided into paper plastic uh, batteries glass yeah. and tin so yeah. aluminium or whatever and mm. it, you know it seems like such a daunting task initially and you think oh you know what like you know really but this is possibly the best time to start this because you've got so many people looking for things to do start dividing up your waste and, and you, it becomes like a game it becomes like a thing where you start you know even removing the the metal bottle cap from the Jack Daniels bottle and put the glass in the one and the metal cap in another because you realize that it's two different sort of elements but it's yeah. a it, it's a great thing to to be discussing uh, the week of Earth Day. Justin I hope many more people take you up on uh, this new service at Santon City look it up as soon as you're back online, I hope we will see more and more people taking uh, the opportunity to recycle their their garbage and their waste. Justin, thank you so much for making the time to chat to us. Brilliant, Alex. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. All right, another week and another chance for us to catch up on some reality TV. Once again, The Bachelor South Africa sees the group of hopeful ladies whittle down to a small handful. The latest to leave being 34-year-old Ricky Breast. To recap, Ricky has a list of creative and artistic accomplishments to her name as an accomplished drummer, DJ, and marketing expert. She joins me on the line right now. How are you feeling after uh, having to leave the uh, bachelor pad and uh, no rose? I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm really, really happy. It worked out the best way possible. Um, I think that I I was over it. I think I had realized that I, you know, was wasting my time. And so, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better outcome, to be honest. You know, I had the same feeling. I must be honest, I've been watching, uh, obviously, since since day one and, and following the story. And it felt like your time in the house was long over before the final rose ceremony. Is that is that the case? Well, I don't think it should have been. Um, you know, market saying to everyone, you know, I'm spending time with the girls that I'm not sure of. So, you know, in other words, if I'm not spending time with you, I'm sure of you. So I don't think that it should have. I think I should have still had my time. But yeah, I think the last two weeks um, I, I had enough uh, of waiting, you know, and I was very frustrated. I mean, one of the senses I got uh, in that episode where you, you know, you made your exit was that it wasn't just the frustration of the rose ceremony and the constantly having to fight for time with Mark that starts becoming a problem in the house. And I'm talking about this in in general terms. The entire environment starts getting to you at some point. It felt like that that, that this this last episode was the one where, you know, you could really see that coming to a boiling point with all the ladies in the house. Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a very challenging environment. All of us in and it's a very emotional environment. Uh, the one week I think it was last week where you know, I think yeah, that I stayed out of the drama all the time. And as the oldest in the house, what landed up happening was everyone would come to me for advice. And I think it landed up just getting to a point where, you know, I'm here for love. I'm here for real reasons. Um, I, I don't want to be involved in drama, you know, and, and from that perspective, that was frustrating for me. Um, but yeah, mainly, if I'm honest, the only... Thing that I was mainly frustrated with was Mark. I loved girls, you know, and yes, I had a moment um, where all the drama actually got to me because I wasn't even involved in it. Um, but my main frustration lay with Mark. You had a, a moment before your last episode where it also was on a knife's edge. I mean, it, it, it almost took a, a significant amount of convincing from Mark's side to actually keep you in the game. In hindsight now, should that have possibly been the point where you said, you know what, actually there's there's nothing worth redeeming here. I'm actually calling it quits right now. Yeah, I, I do kind of wish um, that at that point he would have let me go or that I would have said, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to do this anymore. 
I think if I did that, I would still be wondering if there was, you know, a potential there, whereas now I know that there isn't. So, in a hindsight, I am happy that I, that I stayed for another two weeks, um, you know, to get that closure and that clarification for myself. But, you know, at that point, the reason why I didn't want to accept the rose was because I believe that he is a, a, a people pleaser, and I didn't, I thought he was giving me a rose just because he didn't want me to be upset, not because he genuinely wanted to give me a rose, you know, and I, and I don't want that. Uh, but anyway, he did convince me that it was actually meant to happen, um, that he was actually meant to give me a rose, and so I did give in. And I'm glad that I did because that gave me the extra two weeks of closure and um, clarification that I needed. So, Ricky, how's life been post The Bachelor now? It's been very interesting. And I say interesting because, you know, for a very long time I couldn't tell people that I was on The Bachelor. Um, and then it's been interesting because, uh, you know, people have been maybe asking me on dates and I struggle, like, I can't lie. So, you know, I obviously couldn't say I wasn't going to make it, but at the same time, <laughs> it's just a very awkward position to be in. Um, and over and above that, we see the episodes when everyone else sees the episodes. So it's very stressful. Your anxiety levels are at an all-time high. Um, and then, you know, obviously dealing with social media afterwards and everything. Sure, it's been a very interesting couple of months. Well, let's get into that because that was actually going to be one of my sort of questions to you because, I mean, I remember a time when uh, we were still covering things like Big Brother 1 and Idols 1 and this was the early 2000s and uh, there was no such thing as social media. I mean, it didn't exist. You know, contestants came up. Uh, I mean, I remember the winner, Ferdinand Rabi, who was also quite a, uh, an interesting character who'd won Big Brother 1. And you kind of went onto these reality shows and you kind of became famous and you'd make some club appearances and, you know, you'd get featured in some of the mainstream media. And that was it. And and maybe once in a while, somebody would come up to you at, at a restaurant and maybe, you know, share his thoughts with you. Now it's a completely yeah different ball game and you are constantly connected you're always in people's faces in people are in your face and your uh, you know, dms I, I had a look at some of the social media interactions that you've had just over the last 24 hours and there's people that are giving you sage advice and they've got profound wisdom to share with you from their um from their kitchen tables and from their sofas in their living rooms is that just part of being on reality tv in 2020 well you know i'm i'm grateful that for the majority of my journey, there has been mainly positive and supportive comments. But I think that there's a fine line between, you know, the thing is that when you're on TV, people start expecting you to be perfect. And so I'm grateful for all the, you know, all the positive and supportive comments, but oh, if you breathe in the wrong direction, it could go south um, very quickly. You know, I kind of wish in a way that social media wasn't such a big thing <laughs> now. Um, I kind of wish that it could have just been, you know, you do the show and you, you've forgotten about afterwards. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So we just have to deal with it in the best way we possibly can. But you haven't had any sort of uncomfortable moments on social media. I have. Last week was, last week was really bad. This is my frustration because up until episode nine, um, I was not involved in any drama. I didn't say anything wrong and people were supportive and loving me. And then last week I had a moment of frustration and all of a sudden people just completely switch and, and come after you. And it's one thing for me, it's one thing to say like, I don't agree with what Ricky said or, which is fine because I don't agree with what I said. In a normal setting, I wouldn't have said those things about those girls. What the viewers don't understand either is that all those things come from somewhere. They come from conversations had with Mark or with the girls themselves. But that's not generally me. However, in a certain setting with a lot of pressure, that happens. And all of a sudden, social media sees you as not perfect and now you're the villain. You know, instead of them just simply disagreeing with you, um, they start attacking your character and your personality and who you are, you know, as a person. And that I don't agree with and I don't think is fair. You know, we're not perfect. We're in an incredibly stressful situation. We are bound to have moments. Every single one of the girls has their moments. It's just that not all the moments are shown on TV, you know. Um, and I kind of do wish that the viewers understood that because, 
you know, then it, it doesn't it, it doesn't kind of pinpoint one of the girls at a time. And yeah, I just I think it's okay to have your opinion, even if I did say it, it's okay to disagree with me, but it's definitely not okay to attack someone's character over something that they've said. That's that's just not okay. So yeah, it's very difficult dealing with those kind of things, knowing, you know, who you actually are as a person. So Ricky, where to from here in terms of your quest to find uh, the love of your life? Um, sure. At this point, uh, you know, I'm not sure what else to do. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm just going to be <laughs> open to, you know, to different energies, and I'm just sort of, I believe very much in in sending a message to the universe, which is why I did the show, um, you know, to say that I am ready and I'd like to find my person. So I'm just hoping in whichever way it happens that I believe that it will happen. And if it doesn't, then it's just not meant for me or it's not meant for me right now. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. Um, I'm not in a rush to get married. I would like to meet my person, but yeah, well, I'll just see what happens. Okay. Well, Ricky, I wish you the best of luck. And I think, uh, you know, may this take you from strength to strength. Thank you so much for joining us on the Santon Times podcast. And, uh, all the so best uh, for the rest of the year, whatever it may bring. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. So that's it for this week's episode of the Santon Times podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, make sure that you uh, share it uh, with uh, whoever you think will really uh, get some value out of listening to this on a weekly basis. You can connect with us on editor at santontimes.co.za with your stories as they unfold. You've got uh, our social media accounts, which you can connect with on at Santon Times. You've got the blog that you can visit, santantimes.co.za. And then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also leave a rating and a review. It really helps us move up the ranks. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, or YouTube, you can do all of that. And don't forget, you can also support the Santon Times podcast directly by visiting the soundcloud.com forward slash Times URL. And there's a big blue button which says support Santon Times. And you can make a contribution and help us do what we do and make it, uh, and, and let us do it better. Don't forget to do that. Thank you to all my guests on the show for today. It's another week of lockdown to go, so let's see what the president has to say this evening. But for now, stay safe and stay at home.